Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're joining with us here as we kick off this brand new series called Rooted. And here's the big idea of this series for the next six or eight weeks here together. What I want to take a look at is three practices that will ground us in God in a shaky world, okay? That's what we want to take a look at over the next few weeks really here together. It's just three practices that will ground us in God in a shaky world. Because I don't know about you, but as much as I hope and I long for us to get back to normal, our world still feels a little bit uncertain, a little bit shaky, a little bit unstable. Is anybody with me, right? With all the things that are going on, with talks of variants, fourth waves, lockdown, like vaccines, and I don't know if you know this, but some people have opinions on vaccines. On all that is happening, elections and world events, I would just say that when it comes to our world today, not everything seems safe, secure, and calm, and steady. Our world seems a little bit shaky, a little bit unstable, a little bit uncertain. And I won't speak for you, but I know for me. In many ways, that's how this entire year has really felt in so many different ways. It's felt like the ground is always kind of shifting underneath your feet, that things are just unstable, like it's hard to maybe kind of uh, catch your balance or catch your breath in the midst of all that is going on. And so today, what I want to take a look at then is three practices that will ground us in God in a shaky world. Because if I were to describe our world in the past like year, here are three words I would use to describe it, okay? Disorientating, destabilizing, and difficult. That's what I felt like this year has been in so many ways. There's been moments of beauty and of God's grace and of God's goodness, but in many ways, our year has really just been a disorientating, difficult, really uh, destabilizing kind of a year. And this is why I think it's really important for us right now, as we kind of kick off and launch into, you know, the fall, a new school season, as we kind of move into a different space, for us to really get grounded in God, in what he has for us, and how we might stay stable and steady and secure in a really shaky world. And so what I want to do today is I want to introduce you to three practices that we're going to explore in the next few weeks. Three practices that I do truly believe will ground you in God, okay? And now these three practices, they are not new. They are not like innovative and flashy and all that sort of thing. I don't think we actually need that in this time and this day and age. I think what we need is something that is actually like tried and tested and true. These practices are really foundational and fundamentals. There are things that we need to get back to as Christians, that just like musicians need to practice the scales to get good, that just as athletes need to do drills to be able to continue to perform at a high level, that as Christians, we need to practice three things if we're going to actually continue to not only follow Jesus, but to be grounded in what he is doing within us and the world around us. And the three practices I want to introduce you to that are going to help us to ground us in God in a shaky world are praying, caring, and sacrificing. Now, here at Bethany, we often talk about following Jesus in terms of three things. We talk about following Jesus in terms of up, with, and out. That if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, that it requires at least three things of us. That first, you need to be daily connecting up with Jesus. These are things that we do like Bible reading, like praying, like worshiping, like connecting with him. That secondly, you not only need to be daily connecting up with Jesus, that you need to be journeying deeply with others. This is also incredibly important because Christianity is not kind of like a solo sport. It's meant to be done together. This is why we put such an emphasis on home churches here and also on all the other various places where you can connect. Places like Celebrate Recovery, like youth, like young adults, and also you know spaces for our older adults and our over uh, 65 groups. These are spaces for connection that you can have. Connecting with others is incredibly important. This is why we say consistently that you need to journey deeply with others. And then thirdly, we talk not only about uh, connecting up with Jesus, journeying deeply with others, we talk about the need for us to serve and sacrifice out in the community. 
that if we want to follow Jesus, we need to be serving and sacrificing in the community. Because follow with me, Christianity is not an inward religion. It's outward facing. It's not tribal. It's universal. It's about making the world a better place. We are called to serve and sacrifice out in the community. And I know for me, I know for me, out of these three areas of up with and out, of connecting up with Jesus, of journeying deeply with others, and then also of serving and sacrificing out in the community, that there's often one of these three areas that Jesus is asking me to focus in on. Maybe it's my time with him. Maybe it's my time with others. Or maybe it's actually to give up something to serve and sacrifice out in the community. And over this series, what we want to do is take a look at one practice in each of these areas that will ground you in these areas of up with and out. So when we talk about connecting up with Jesus, this is where prayer becomes so central and so critical that if we want to actually connect up with Jesus, prayer needs to be a part of our lives. This is one of the actions that we really need to focus in on. And if we want to journey deeply with others, one of the actions and the practices we need to regain and to focus in on on this series and in this season is really caring. Caring is crucial if you're ever gonna journey deeply with anyone. And then lastly, if you wanna serve and sacrifice out in the world, what we need to practice is that idea of sacrificing. So over this series, we're going to take a look at these three ideas of praying, of caring, and sacrificing to get us grounded and rooted not only in God, but what he is doing in the world around us. And here's my belief and my prayer, and also in some ways my promise to you, that I really truly deeply believe that if you put time and effort into these three things of praying, of caring, of sacrificing, not only will your life be changed, but the lives around you will be changed. That like the verse in the bumper that we had that we just saw, like Jeremiah says, that if you do these three things, you'll get grounded deeply and you'll actually bear fruit and there will actually be so much goodness that you will be able to not only receive, but to share in a really hurting world, in a shaky and unstable world. So that's what we want to explore over the next few weeks together, praying, caring, and sacrificing. What we're going to be doing is taking two weeks on each of these, okay? Two weeks on praying, two weeks on caring, and two weeks on sacrificing. And the first week is going to be pretty theological, and then the second one is going to be really deeply practical. Because here's your theological kind of tidbit and insight here for today, okay? And this might seem not that mind-blowing, but honestly, this matters immensely, that Christianity is not a belief-based religion. Christianity is an action-based religion faith. Let me say that again. Okay? That Christianity is not a belief-based religion. Christianity is an action-based faith. That what matters are our actions because our actions and our practices, they really reveal what we believe. It's our actions and our practices that Christ will judge. It's our actions and our practices that set the trajectory for our lives. So for the next few weeks, that's what we're going to be really focusing in on on those three actions of praying, of caring, and sacrificing. And so with all that kind of introductory material kind of out of the way, today we want to jump into really talking about praying. And as I said, next week then, we're going to really focus in on it being the practical application of how do you actually pray. Today I want to leave uh, some of the theological foundation for it. And to do that, I want to take a look at one of the uh, favorite places to begin. I want to take a look at the Gospels and at the life of Jesus. Now, obviously, when it comes to a topic like praying, uh, this is something that is huge, and it's throughout the Bible. But really, today, what I want to do is I want to take a look to learn about prayer in two places and in two ways. I want to look at first in the life of Jesus, and then I want to really examine the prayers that Jesus prays. This is how I want us to get really grounded in prayer, because if we are actually going to be grounded in a shaky world, if we're actually going to be rooted in a world where there's so much that is going on and there's so much difficulty and just uncertainty, we really need prayer to be at the center of our lives. And for us, then, the right place 
to begin is with Jesus. It's with how does he model prayer and what does he pray? That's what we're going to take a look at today. So the first thing I want to take a look at, I'm going to read a number of different verses. I want to take a look at uh, prayer and the life of Jesus. And so I'm going to read a bunch of different verses from the Gospels. I want you to just notice if you see any pattern, okay? Just notice if you see any pattern. So I want to read this. Starting off in Matthew 14, it says this. After sending them all home, Jesus went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Or Mark 6, verses 46, says this. After telling everybody goodbye, Jesus went up into the hills to him, uh, by himself to pray. Or Luke 6, uh, verse 12, says, One day, soon afterward, Jesus went up to a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. Or Mark 1, verse 35, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Or Luke 5, verse 16, says this, But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Are you seeing the pattern? Are you seeing something that happens consistently in the life of Jesus? That what we notice in these passages is that Jesus consistently carved out time and space for prayer. Okay? That prayer was a priority in the life of Jesus. That prayer was something that he consistently did. That's what all those verses say. Listen to the verse in 5.16. Again, it says, But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And if you read the Gospels carefully, what you'll start to notice is that there seems to be this pattern, because there is, that when difficulty starts to arise, that when there is tension for Jesus, when, you know, there's a lot that is going on, that Jesus actually presses more into prayer in those moments. That when things get difficult, Jesus turns towards prayer. That when things get really tense, Jesus spends more time in prayer. That prayer is the response of Jesus towards the difficulty in the world around him. That he goes to spend time with his father, with his Abba, with the one that he knows so deeply. He goes and he prays all night, and this happens often throughout the Gospels. That's what we read, right? That Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. But here's one of the points I want to make with this. That if, follow with me, the perfect sinless Son of God, which we believe that Jesus truly is, that if the perfect sinless Son of God needed to spend time in prayer, how much more do we need to spend time in prayer? I mean, if there's anyone, to think about it this way, if there's anybody who could skip like morning prayer, if there's anybody who could skip times of prayer, you'd think it would be Jesus, right? That's like LeBron James missing a workout. It's probably not going to hurt him all that much. But that's not what we see in the Gospels, that Jesus never skips prayer. Jesus doesn't avoid it. Jesus never actually misses it. Instead, he engages with it deeper the more that things are going on in his life. This is the pattern that Jesus shows us that I think that we need to make a priority in our lives. That prayer was a priority for Jesus, so it better be a priority for us as well. That's what we see in these passages, is Jesus consistently withdrawing to actually create a space and a place to connect with his Father in prayer. So the first thing that we really see in these passages, we take them seriously, is that Jesus really creates and makes space for prayer. That it's a priority in his life and it needs to be in ours as well. But I want to notice what drives Jesus to prayer. Is that if you pay attention to the Gospels, what drives Jesus to prayer, follow with me, isn't a sense of obligation and legalism, but a sense of desire and intimacy to be with his Father. I want to say that again because this matters immensely. That what drives Jesus towards prayer isn't a sense of obligation and legalism, but instead it's actually a desire for uh, connection and for intimacy with his Father. But I know that for some of us, prayer can be, it can seem dry, it can seem difficult, it can seem more like an obligation. And especially, you know, if things are busy and there's lots going on, if you're a single mom or a single dad, maybe sometimes at the end of the day the only prayer you can kind of offer is help. I, I get that. 
But what I notice in the life of Jesus is that Jesus doesn't pray out of a response of obligation. He prays out of a desire actually to meet with his father, to be with his father, to have a connection with his father. It's intimacy that grounds his life of prayer. And we see this in really a few different ways. We see this in the kind of prayers that Jesus prays. We'll look at that next, where they are open, they are raw, they are honest prayers, where Jesus is going to someone that he loves and he knows deeply that this is what is driving him forward. The second thing that we know that this is really not out of just obligation is notice with me, how does Jesus actually uh, refer to God? When Jesus refers to God, he doesn't refer to God as like Lord or Adonai or any other term. How does he refer to God? He refers to God as like his father. There is an intimacy and a connection there that what drives Jesus into places of prayer is really a desire to commune with his father. This is why the text says so many times that he spent all night praying. It wasn't out of obligation or legalism. It was out of a desire to connect with his father because he knows he needs that in his life, that prayer is the lifeblood of Jesus and it's really a part of who he is. And then what he shows us is really that it flows not out of obligation, it flows out of desire. And so for some of us, for some of us, if you feel like when we start talking about prayer that it's happening more out of obligation than desire, if there really isn't, you know, maybe a desire for intimacy there with God, if it's just dry and difficult, and let me be honest with this, and we'll talk about this more next week, that every single Christian goes through periods of dryness and difficulty in their spiritual walk. This is normal. This is what mature Christians experience. This is what should be expected. But what I also know is that sometimes if you've had this long period of like obligation, it can feel hard to kind of engage with prayer. So here's what I wanna invite you to do. Here's my suggestion if you're ever in that space, okay? I would suggest that you pray about a desire to pray, okay? I think that, I know that might sound kind of funny, but I think that's what we actually do. We pray to have a desire to pray. Pray, God, help me to have a desire to be with you. Help me to have more desire to have intimacy with you. Help me to have more desire to be close to you. I think often of St. Teresa of Avila, uh, she said this, and I just think it's beautiful. She says this, and she was a saint, right? She says, oh God, I don't love you. I don't even want to love you but I do want to want to love you. That's sometimes the spaces that we might be in, that we might just be able to say, God, like I do want to want to love you. And so I would suggest to you, if you're ever in that space of more obligation and dryness to say, God, give me, give me a desire for you. Help me to want to want to want you. I think that's a good place to begin. So what we see in the life of Jesus is really the beginning uh, kind of two points is just this. What we see is really that prayer is a priority for him and it flows out of a desire, not obligation, okay? Now I wanna take a look at the kinds of things that Jesus actually prays. Because if Jesus prays them, I also think that we should probably pray them, right? So we're gonna take a look at the recorded prayers of Jesus. We actually don't have that many in the Gospels. We don't have many of times where he actually shares with us what he is personally praying. So I wanna pay attention to them. We're gonna begin actually in John 11. Now in John 11, here's kind of the context. Jesus' good friend Lazarus has just died and he's missed the death. He's actually delayed. And so people are quite disappointed with him. People are quite angry. There's a lot of tension in this passage. But I wanna read to you what he prays and then just notice something with me that I think is really important for us. Jesus says this, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone away. Um, then Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out in his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. Now there's lots in this passage that we could pull out. There's lots of really interesting and important kind of details, but there's just one main thing that I want us to notice is that when Jesus prays, it is with an assurance that his Father in heaven will hear him. Okay? That when Jesus prays, it is with an assurance that his Father in heaven will hear him. Listen to what he says. He says, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. 
but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing there so that they will know and they will believe that you sent me. That when Jesus prays to his Father, there is this assurance that he knows that God is listening, that God is attentive, that God is caring, right? That God is actually engaged with him. That when Jesus prays, God is not like some distant deity off there. God isn't actually disconnected. What he knows is that he will be heard. Thank you, Father, for hearing me. You always hear me. I just think that this is incredibly important that if we're going to actually learn to pray, if we're going to have praying be something that grounds us actually in a shaky world, what we need to remember is that our prayers are heard. Our prayers are actually being responded to by God, that God is not distant and uncaring and unmotivated to actually meet with you. Instead, he is hearing and he is responsive. That's what this passage teaches us. That's what the life of Jesus teaches us. That's what the prayers of Jesus teach us, that the Father is listening. The second prayer I want to take a look at is actually the longest prayer of Jesus. It's in uh, the book of John again, it's John 17. And it's actually like the entire chapter of John 17. So I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to read actually the two kind of like main themes that kind of come throughout it from two passages, okay? So I want to read to you this. This is really the heart of the prayer. This is Jesus praying. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also all who will ever believe in me through their message. So here Jesus is praying not only for his disciples, he's also praying like for us, right? And listen to what he prays. He says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. Let me read that again, right? This is what he's praying. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. And then he continues. He says, may they experience such perfect unity in the world that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So what we see here in this passage, in this prayer of Jesus, is what is he doing? He's actually opening up his desires, his wants, and his hopes for the future, isn't he? That's what he's praying about. He's praying about the future and he's saying, I hope that my followers, I hope that everyone who believes in me, that they will be unified, that they will be one. He's really letting the Father know about what it is that he hopes for, what it is that he dreams for, what it is that he is desiring. That's what prayer is. It's a space to open up your desires to God, right? That's what he prays. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but all for who will ever believe in me through their message. He says, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. And this is one of Jesus' deepest desires, is that the church would actually be one. And this is why I just have to, you know, name this. This is why I think what is currently happening in the Western evangelical church, it must harm and hurt our savior so deeply because there is such a quickness to cut out people in the Western evangelical church, to break fellowship, to devolve actually into like tribalism and us versus them, that there isn't the unity that Jesus not only requires and prays for, that Jesus asks for. And the reason that this must hurt our Savior so deeply is because when there is a lack of unity in the church, you know what this is? This is a rejection of the desires of Jesus Christ for our own. That's what it is. Jesus is so clear in this passage that he wants unity, that he wants oneness. And so when we choose division, when we choose really polarization, when we choose us versus them thinking, we are actually then choosing to not follow in the desires of Jesus and we are rejecting his very prayer. Listen to what he prays. He says, I'm praying not only for all of these disciples, but also all for who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one. And why does he pray that they'll be one? not only for unity and for oneness, but also for his message, also for mission, because he says, if we are one, what does he say? Then the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That unity is necessary for a witness to the world. And right now it's lacking. 
So what I think we see in this passage is really Jesus actually calling us towards something, but Jesus also opening up about his own desires, about his own hopes and dreams for the future, about what he is wanting for us. And what I actually think is pretty interesting if you think about it, that normally we go to Jesus for him to answer our prayers, but here we actually have the opportunity to answer a prayer of Jesus, where he asks, may we be one, that we can actually be a part of the answer to Jesus's prayers. So what do we see in the life of Jesus and his prayers? What we see first of all is that we know that the Father then listens. We also see Jesus opening up about his own hopes for the future. We also see him at other places opening up about his present day concerns and some of the hurts and the burdens that he carries. So we not only see it here in John, but we also see Jesus pouring out his real hearts and his desires actually in the Garden of Gethsemane as well. This is where he then pours out not about future concerns, but really about his present day hurts, about all the things that he is carrying and the burdens that he has. Let me read to you the passage and just notice how honest and open and vulnerable he is. And this is um, uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says this, that he walked away about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed. And he prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him, and he prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of the spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. So we see Jesus not only praying for the future, but also praying for the present and the concerns that we have. We also see this with he is on the cross, actually, when he cries out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is him pouring out whatever is in his heart at that moment to his father. That's what prayer is about. It's about praying for our future hopes and dreams, right? Jesus says, I pray that they all will be one. But it's also about praying about our present day concerns, anything we are carrying and our burdens. And then what we also see with prayer is that prayer is also a space to practice forgiveness. We see this in Jesus' prayer as well when he is on the cross and he turns uh, to the people around him and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That prayer is really a space and a place for us to practice forgiveness with the Father, for us to name some of the spaces and the people who have hurt us and to pray for forgiveness. That prayer is a space of forgiveness. And the last thing that we see in Jesus' prayers is that prayer is also a space of trust. We see this again when he was on the cross and he says, uh, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's a prayer of trust. So if we look at the life of Jesus and the prayers that he prays, and there aren't many of them, we've covered the majority of them here today, what I think we will notice is a few different things. What we see is that prayer for Jesus is about an assurance of the Father hearing us, all right, when we call out to the Father that he hears us. It's also then about us opening up about our hopes and dreams and desires for the future, right, where Jesus says, I pray that they will all be one. It's also about us really emptying out any of the burdens that we are carrying and concerns where Jesus prays in the garden or on the cross. And then lastly, prayer is also a space for us to practice forgiveness, right? And for us also then to place our trust in God, to say like Jesus, into your hands, I'm committing my spirit. Into your hands, God, I'm committing all that we've prayed about. Prayer is a space to trust in God and his plans and what he is doing. So what does this all mean for us today? Because I know that we've gone over a number of different verses. Well, today, what we want to do is we want to just take a look at some of the foundations, some of the theology for prayer. And next week, we're going to get really practical how to actually practice this key practice to actually ground us in a shaky world. And what we've seen is that for Jesus, we've seen that prayer was a priority in his life, that he made time and space for it. He carved out time and space for it. We also see that prayer really flows for Jesus, not out of obligation, but a desire to connect with God. And then we've seen some of the things that Jesus prays about, about the future, about some of his hopes and dreams, about some of the burdens that he's carrying, about uh, trust and also about forgiveness. These are some of the things that he brings forward in prayer. And of course, there's lots more that we could say about prayer. We didn't even touch at all the Lord's Prayer where Jesus teaches us to pray. If you're interested in that, I preached on that actually in 2020, an entire series on it. So I'd encourage you to go and to listen to that. 
But then today, what is our main point then? What does this all mean for us here today? Well, here's uh, my main point here today, that prayer is a practice and a pattern of Jesus. So it needs to be a practice and pattern of our lives as well. That's my main point. That's what I hope we get out of all that we've seen is that prayer is a practice and a pattern of Jesus's life. So it needs to be a practice and a pattern in our life. Prayer needs to be central. And as we start to look forward into the future, as we start to look really as the fall season kind of kicks off and as school goes back in and all of that, what I really believe is that if we want to be grounded in what God is doing, if we want to be grounded and rooted in the goodness that God has for us, it must actually begin with prayer being a priority in our life. That we need to connect daily up with Jesus and that's what praying is all about. So what's my challenge here today? Well, this is pretty obvious, and I think many of you would have guessed this from the very beginning, right, of this. My challenge is to pray every day this week. That's my challenge. Would you pray every day this week? And yes, yes, it might be hard at times. It might be difficult. It might actually take some work and some effort. This is why we sometimes call prayer a spiritual discipline, because it actually takes some discipline, work, and effort to put into it. But I think that it matters. And what we see with Jesus is that he carves out time and space to pray. So I want to challenge you. Would you try to carve out some time and space to pray this week? Would you pray every day? And what might that look like for you? Well, I think that prayer looks differently for different people. And we'll talk more about different kinds of prayer next week. But it might look like you going on a hike. It might look like you just sitting with coffee and actually spending time with Jesus. It might look like you going on a date with Jesus. That's something that Martin here on staff has talked about. Just taking some food and going to a a park and just spending some quiet time with Jesus. It might look like you, I don't know, hiding from your kids in your bathroom or in your bedroom to try to, you know, find some time to pray. I'm not sure what it might look like in your life, but what I really want to challenge you to do is to actually carve out some space to pray this week. And then what do you pray about? What do you use that time for? Well, the same things that Jesus did. First, when you pray, why don't you make sure that you have an assurance that God is hearing all the prayers that you are offering? And I want to invite you to really, when you're going to prayer, remember that Jesus is listening, that he is attentive just as his Father is. And what can you be praying about? You can be praying about the same sort of things that Jesus prays about. What are your hopes for the future? Remember, that's what Jesus says. When he actually prays and he says, God, my prayer is that everyone would be one. So what are your hopes for the future? What are the things that you're longing for? What are the things that you're desiring? What are you looking into the future with? I think it's really important for us to open up to God deeply about that. And then what are you carrying? Remember that Jesus opens himself up and he names some of the burdens that he's carrying to God in the garden and on the cross. So you can do the same thing. What are some of the burdens that you are carrying? What are some of the present day kind of concerns and weights and things that you're just unsure about? Open up to Jesus about those. Also spend time maybe actually practicing forgiveness in prayer. Because my bet is, is that there's some hurt in your life and there's hurt kind of all over the place right now. Maybe spend some time actually then praying for forgiveness over certain people. Jesus does this, right? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then at the end, I think it's important for us to spend time actually just even naming to Jesus that we trust in you, right? That's what Jesus does on the cross, that Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's a prayer of trust, and we can have the same sort of things. So what's my challenge this week? My challenge is really to carve out space for prayer and then to take time to pray and to use it to pray about the future, to pray about your concerns, to pray about forgiveness and trust and to do all of that knowing that the Father is going to hear you praying. But to close today, to close today, because I know it can be hard to carve out time and space in a busy world. We actually want to give you time and space right now to pray. The worship group is going to play uh, some instrumental and then another uh, song for us. And we want to invite you to use this song and to use this moment as a chance just to pray with Jesus, to connect with him, to actually just spend some time with him. 
Because as I said, I know as this year kind of kicks off again, as there's kind of the new push for the fall kickoff and schools and all of that, that there's lots that we are kind of moving forward into. But I really believe that if we're going to actually find God in our lives present and really moving, if we're going to find God in the lives around us, we need to get grounded in prayer, that this is the place to begin with actually praying and connecting with Jesus. So I invite you to use these next few moments to pray to Jesus, to connect with him, to listen for him, and then to continue to pray each and every day this week as we continue to seek to follow him as God is active in your life and in mine. And may prayer ground us, not only in his activity, but in his goodness and what he is doing in your life and in mine. And so with that, would you join with me in prayer here today? God, I pray. I pray, might we come towards you in this moment and might we hear from you? God, I pray, if there's lots of stuff that is swirling within us, Lord, might we hear your voice speaking to us. I pray as we come towards uh, prayer and connecting with you, Lord, I pray we would be able to open up with vulnerability, with courage, with bravery, with death, about all that we might be carrying. Might we be like you and be completely honest with our Father. And I pray, God, as we continue to move into this moment, that, Lord, uh, might your presence be really here in a strong way. Might we hear from you, might we connect with you, and might we continue to get grounded and rooted in prayer and in connection with you. I pray this all in the wonderful name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.